I'm Karen Valley. And I'm Kate Valley. Welcome back to Friday Nights at Blockbuster, the podcast where we look at the best movies from the 2000s. This wasn't by design, and now that I now that I think about it, we should probably take a look at some of these release dates before planning episodes. But this week we are looking back almost a year to the day from our previous episode on oh, Kill Bill. Interesting. Uh, yeah, we are exactly. We're going back to April eighteenth, two thousand and three, and I think last week was like April sixteenth or something like that. But uh, this week we are looking at the second winner of the Best Animation Oscar. And uh, a movie that I think is this director's number one best movie. It might not be my favorite, but it is certainly his best, I think. However, before we get into the movie, one note about last week's episode on Kill Bill. I forgot to mention the five, six, seven, eights. And I just wanna I just wanna mention them now because <laughs> I love those ladies. A like grade A A plus music. Uh, listen to it all throughout high school. Love those ladies. So five, six, seven, eights. Great but band. I will say on that, I think one of my trivias was he came across their CD, listened to it on like a flight home or something like that, and immediately was like, "I want them in the like I want them I want them in the band I want them in my movie and stuff." So I yeah I, I never it know, was super quick. We didn't really talk about the music so so much, but yeah, I never know how he. He must just have this this mind full of bands and musicians and whatnot where he's like, I'm going to use this song somewhere. some someday, somewhere, in some movie. And yeah, like, because uh, some of the musical cues that he's pulling out in the movies, are just, they're all over the place. I love them. I love them. But uh, yeah, back to <laughs> this, uh, this week's this episode. episode. <laughs> and um, like I was saying, we didn't necessarily plan out too many movies but we certainly we mapped out a few for the next you know this is how we're going to start these are the movies we're going to start and to be fair it's been constantly evolving as as other things happen are there any movies that you are really looking forward to getting to talk about or or hope that come up on this podcast that we sort of we haven't mapped out yet we haven't said yes we're, we're going to do that and this is when we'll do it um so i have two they're kind of two different series ones i'm a fan i tend to love series more i love kind of being with characters for that little bit longer um so the one that i have that i don't think we've talked about yet are is the born series oh we're gonna have to do the born series yeah yeah i think it's oh, for sure i think it's one that i remember in the 2000s when we were watching movies that me and you agreed on every time yeah like Every time we were kind of like, what should we put on? Like, what are we feeling? And one of us would be like, Jason Bourne. And the other one would be like, yep. Like, it was never really a debate with that one. So I'm excited for when we get to that series. And then the other one is the Step Up series. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That conveniently everybody has been left off the list right now. Because I know Kieran doesn't want to talk about them at all. You know what, though? To be fair. The first one is great. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say that I actually quite enjoy the Magic Mike movies. Really? Yeah. And I think maybe there's some sort of conversation there about Channing Tatum and all the dancing and stuff. So I'm sure Step Up will make it in there eventually. Uh, all of Kieran's female friends pressure him to include them. <laughs> it'll be, like, who cares? It'll be funny. Even if I 
watch it, I'm like, this is terrible. Like, it'll be fun. The first one, I have like zero memory of any of that. I know I've seen at least the first two, if not three. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, yeah, the first one, whatever. We'll we'll watch it. We'll watch it. Channing Tatum. <laughs> all that, like, can you watch it now? Because they're not together anymore. I don't know. That's like sad. Yes and no. You can... It's fun to watch knowing that that's where they met. And they were together for 10 years. And now he's traded up in a big way. (laughs) Zoe Kravitz, my God. Maybe the most beautiful person in the world. Like, yeah. (laughs) So, Channing Tatum, well done. End of conversation there. Well done. Like, well done. I don't know. Let's get into this movie because there's no segue from Channing Tatum. There really isn't. Dance movies into this movie. Okay, like so, I said, April 18th, 2003. What are we talking about, Kieran? It's the Friday night. I could have gone if I'd known about this movie, if I'd known about this director when I was 12, 13. Uh, would have been the night that I could have gone and rented Spirited Away by Hayao Miyazaki. And am I giving the plot description? Uh, yep. Okay. For a week. <laughs> so Spirited Away follows Chihiro, who is a 10-year-old girl. And she is moving with her parents to a new city. And we meet them when they're they're sort of arriving. They're trying to find their new house. They get a little bit lost in the woods. And they come across what they think is a rundown theme park. And as they start to explore, the parents find a stall with food in it. And sort of without thinking, start chowing down. Yeah, just, really quick. <laughs> like really, like the, the decision to be like, this is an abandoned theme park to oh there's food i'm gonna eat it like was instantaneous but they start eating the food and um she does not partake instead she goes and starts to explore and eventually realizes that she is in a like spirit world and her parents are turned to pigs and she is told that you know she needs to go work for the sorceress who runs this world and the, the world is mostly confined to a bathhouse. Uh, and so the sorceress who owns this bathhouse and, and runs the operation is kind of an evil old woman named Yababa. And Chihiro needs to go work for her as a way of maybe freeing her and her parents from this curse and, and get, get home again. There are things that happen. One of the big things is that her name is taken away from her and she's given a new name. And she's told by Haku, who is like her... Uh, guardian in this world that she needs to remember her name because if she doesn't then she'll it'll be impossible for her to find her way home and uh, you know through trials and tribulations Chihiro uh, sort of eventually figures out a way to get home and she saves her parents and they leave and it's kind of left vague as to like was this all a memory was this a dream how how do we feel about it at the end of the movie but that is spirited away so first things first, Kate, we've had weeks now of, you know, not not your first Christopher Nolan, but but his one of his first movies and you going back and watching it. And then your first Quentin Tarantino. I, can I assume that this was your first Hayao Miyazaki movie as well? Uh, yes, I'm excited for a movie when it's not my first time watching this director. But yes, this was my first Miyazaki. Is that how you, yeah. yeah, Miyazaki yeah. film? Um What'd First off, yeah, think? I'm trying to be like, where where do I go? So the animation is spectacular. Yeah. It is yeah. A, 
beautiful film. Um, let's just start there because that was one of the first things. It's hand drawn. Uh, yeah. And I think he mostly does it himself. Like it sounds like there's obviously he the, the whole Studio Ghibli thing. I think there are sort of many hands helping out. But the reason it takes him so long to make movies is that he does a lot of it by himself. Yeah. So beautifully done. I think one of the trivia things I read is he doesn't necessarily have the whole story in his head when he starts to do the storyboards. He just, he just starts, starts drawing, he just starts and, drawing. Yeah. and it kind of comes to him, yeah. which for the amount of detail that goes into the movie is insane to be like, oh, he doesn't know where this is going to go, but he gets himself to where he wants it to go yeah. um, and stuff. But yeah, so it's gorgeous to see the amount of detail in this is incredible. So the idea that certain little things happen here and then they kind of come back later and all of that was incredible. I have, I have many questions because it was my first one. Do I just go straight in? Let's go in. Let's go. What's your number one question about Spirit Away? So I, at the end of the movie, I couldn't quite tell you what the thing, theme of the movie is or what he was trying to tell the audience about so i had to do some research i went online started kind of putting in his movie theories and themes and i found a sparks notebook about it and things like that and it kind of seems like there's a whole bunch of different theories of yeah. what spirited away is trying to convey to the audience and i can tell you right now they're probably all correct okay yeah <laughs> so there's a mix of um, kind of environmental and global warming bits. There's the idea of growing up and not forgetting who you are, but also kind of growing into who you should be. Somebody also talked about the seven deadly sins. Yeah. Like yeah. the theories of this movie is wild. So then I was kind of like, well, it's starting to make a little bit more sense because I can kind of see where these other guys are getting their ideas from. But I still was just like, I need somebody to talk this through with so glad well, here we are <laughs> here we are <laughs> good thing we got a podcast so i think yes i can i can understand as a first timer especially with this one we had the conversation last week about tarantino and you sort of being dropped into his fourth movie and sort of struggling with should i have watched him progress to this point so that i could have understood his style a little bit more and I was sort of like, eh, I don't really know. Like his style has always kind of been his style. Mm -hmm. I think with Miyazaki, walking through his earlier movies and getting to this point would have helped you out in terms of realizing like, oh, this is like he, ha he has progressed to this point. And okay. like his earlier movies, I don't want to say that they're simple, but they're simplified in terms of like, this is the one thing or the two things I'm trying to tell you in this story. And as he's moved on, he's just throwing more and more and more in there. And I think that that's why I find his movies so rewarding as I get older is because the things that I found and loved in Spirited Away when I was 15, 16, 17, they're still there. But I'm now picking up things as a 33-year-old that I wasn't thinking about at all at those times. And so like... Every time you go back, there is more to unpack. There is more to find within his movies because he's putting a lot in there. Yeah. So what I kind of... Funny you didn't ask me this week, what have I been watching? Because we watched this uh, a couple nights ago. 
we actually put on another Miyazaki film this morning before recording this episode, uh, Princess Mononoke. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting now, having done the research for this film, to watch that one and kind of see, oh, okay, the environment is clearly important to him. Yeah. How yeah. humans interact with the environment and our impact on the environment is clearly important because he talks about it now in two movies I, and, and subsequent movies, I think. That's I think, in all of them. I think yeah. basically, yeah, that's pretty much in all of them. Um, and stuff. And so like that was interesting to kind of see slight threads between yeah. movies. Um, and so like the fact that in this one, there's a stink... Spirit, spirit, a stink yeah. spirit, yeah. Um, and everybody's kind of staying away from them because obviously it reeks. But then our hero, how do I say, Chihiro, it? Chihiro yeah, um, goes and is kind of tasked with taking care of him because she's the lowest person on the totem pole, and she notices a thorn in his side. And as they start to pull out, Yababa is like, "Oh well, I don't think that's a thorn." And they pull out this thing, and it turns out to be a bicycle. Yeah, and so clearly this. Thing has gone through the ringer and has just gathered up bicycles and all this other garbage. Well, well, so it's a. But then it turns yeah. out once it's freed of all this garbage that it's a river. It's a river spirit. spirit. Yeah, and, and so the polluted. and so the idea then yeah yeah so it's only after doing the research was I actually able to enjoy the movie a little bit more. Oh, okay, okay, um, because I was able to see where these themes were i couldn't i couldn't see them on my own i needed somebody or like these online forums to almost kind of direct me back to certain scenes and then i was like oh okay that makes sense or that's what he was trying to tell me yeah and stuff so i think if i keep watching more of his films like you said i think it'll be easier for me to pick up on what he's trying to say the first one is kind of a hard (laughs) yeah it it definitely is and like like we're saying there, like so that that scene is obviously about environmentalism and how he feels that we are polluting the world. And therefore if you know, we're polluting our polluting that is then hurting the spiritual world, which is then, you know, coming back and it's all this circle of, you know, we need to, we need to do well, or we need to do good things and then good things will come back and all this sort of stuff. But it's not like, you know, within that is then, you know, consumerism and greed and all of these other things are also dotted throughout this movie. And it's not like he comes to any sort of clean conclusions about them all. Um, Like there's the the one that's sticking out in my head now is uh, Haku's backstory is that he is also a river spirit. Yes. And his river had been filled in so that there could be uh, development for like apartment buildings. Or I can't remember what the movie says. But um, I don't think Miyazaki is pointing the finger and saying, you know, we can't have human development and and developing infrastructure or anything like that. I think what he's trying to say is though, is that there needs to be some sort of balance. And he clearly believes in a spiritual world. He clearly believes in sort of not a religious thing, but uh, maybe even just like a traditional sort of this, obviously this set Japan, he's Japanese or like a traditional Japan. But then also like he understands that like the economic questions and things of this world in this time like also need to be addressed and so there does need to be some sort of balance and yeah i think he's not pointing the finger and saying that all of these things are bad he's just saying maybe we've pushed them too far yeah so yeah so i saw that theory and then the idea of kind of 
life lessons was another one that kept kind of coming up. So the idea of being kind to everybody because you don't know what somebody's gone through. You don't know their backstory. The idea that people are both good and bad because all of the characters throughout the entire movie both have scenes where they are clearly the good person. And then the next scene, they've done something and you're like, well, they're the bad guy now and stuff. Or they've started off as the one that kind of came to my head um, when I was reading this. The theories was the bathhouse heater man, the like spider. Yeah, Kamaji. Yeah, the spider man. Yeah, Uh, the boiler man. Yeah, this is my note. (laughs) Um, He's kind of, I want to say curmudgeon, but like that's not... (laughs) No, but I don't know if that's like for everybody to understand, yeah. but he's kind of that he's grumpy. He's a he's grumpy, grumpy, cranky man yeah. and stuff. And you're like, Oh God, like why did Haku send her to him yeah. to kind of be the person to get her in and keep her safe. And then somebody else, uh, the character Lynn appears and he's like, well, this is my granddaughter and stuff. And, and it's he like, immediately Oh, protects her. like, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so that kind of idea, the idea that like working hard will get you far. So this is a 10-year-old girl who probably has never really done any hard work and is now being dropped into a bathhouse and has to clean out these tubs and has to get up and do these work and stuff. But she knows if she doesn't do it, something bad's going to happen. I don't really know if they say what the bad thing is, but well, I, it's the, kind of the thing about, protect her all, right? Yeah, the thing about the work thing that I I always look at with this movie is actually that like work... I think what he's trying to say maybe is like work should not be your life. And so all of these characters in the bathhouse are stuck there. They are under Yababa's spells or whatever. They're stuck there and she takes their names so that they're, they're lost forever. Like they have to work. And I, I actually think that it's Miyazaki being, that's one of the things that he is trying to say is that like work should not be your life. It should not be your personality you do need to get out of work. Um, Cause it's one of the things that we see is that the bathhouse makes people angry. It makes them corrupt. And as soon as they leave, they're actually quite nice people. Yeah. But once they're in the bathhouse for too long, they're, they're horrible people for the most part anyways. Yeah. But yeah. So my question for the bathhouse or like, how do you think other people entered the spirit world? Like, do you think everybody kind of came across this like abandoned theme park? Like, because the world is filled with spirits. Yeah. And uh, No Face, who turns out to be not a spirit, more of a monster, I guess, yeah. is what they called it. Yeah. But then there are human women. No, no, I don't. No? I don't think that they're human women. I, I think they have the form of human women. Oh, okay. Um, but there seemed to be a really big deal about Chihiro being a human. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that there are actually. They're not humans. They're not humans. Oh, okay. They just look like humans. Um, maybe for the purposes of this bathhouse setting, um, these spirits want, you know, beautiful looking women attending to them or something. I don't yeah. really know, but I, I, I've always believed that they're not humans because if there were that many humans around, Chihiro being a human wouldn't really be a big deal. Wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Oh, okay. What else you got? Um, so kind of the biggest thing that I probably really saw that came up in a few different ones is that. At its most basic form, it's a coming of age story. Yeah. At the, yeah. like, the, <laughs> if you're not looking for anything else, any of these other kind of small things that we're kind of bringing up or trying to point out, it's a coming of age story. It's a, this 10 year old girl who, like we said, hasn't really done much. 
who is being moved. And is like the- like really upset about yeah. moving. And the first few minutes of the movie where she's in the car, she's like kind of a whiny brat yeah. about moving. <laughs> yeah. So that's where we start with her. <laughs> and then by the end, she's going against this no-face monster and taking trains by herself, going off to these like other evil witches and kind of coming back and eventually saving her parents yep. and then getting them out of there. Yep. Um, and her parents at the very end are kind of like, well, like, where have you been? So yeah, kind of as Kieran said, you don't know at the end, was it all a dream? Was it this? Was it that? Um, but it just left a little open. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things, um, that's like very apparent in this movie. It, it is Chihiro's journey and, and her maturity and her, her growth as a character. And it is like, we start with her and she is very... She's kind of whiny. She's a bit of a brat. She's pretty... Um, she's a 10-year-old kid. She's a 10-year-old being, kid. She's a 10-year-old kid who's getting moved. Yeah, she's a 10-year-old kid. Well, I guess we'll keep it in context. Yeah. But yeah, like there there are many great scenes, I think, early on, especially when we transition into the spirit world of like, you see how timid she is. You see how shy and scared she is. And like, it's a pretty scary place, to be yeah. fair. Like there are definitely moments in the movie that are that are pretty dark. Uh, but then like, as she goes about and as she wins some small battles and struggles throughout the movie, you see her like her self-reliance and, and she like, oh, she's figuring this out. She's getting it. And then by the end of the movie, when Yababa tries to pull, pull one more trick on her, yeah, she sees right through it and you're just like, oh, she's like, she's there. She's figured it out, you know, and, and there we go. That's, that's the end of the movie. So like, of can you remember back your first time watching this? Did you pick up on these things? Was it later, like your second or third watch that you watched, picked up on this stuff or? It would have been like, it would have been subsequent viewings. Now, like by the time I got to Spirited Away, I had already seen a couple other Miyazaki movies. So I sort of understood the deal. I sort of understood like, oh, he likes throwing a lot in there. So even if I only pick out two or three, like that's pretty good. I'm doing all right. Um, and then you do go back and you watch more. And, and like I said, like I've, I've been watching his movies for probably close to 20 years now. And so like, as you watch more and more and as you watch them again and again, you do start picking up different things here and there. Um, and so, yeah, like the way that, the way that Chihiro grows throughout the movie is definitely the, probably the first thing I picked up and I was like, Oh, it's, it's a coming of age movie. It's a movie where a young person grows up and matures a little bit more. And then as you start to compare it to things like Princess Mononoke, where the environmentalism in, in that movie is like right up front. Yeah. That is the prime thing in that movie is environmentalism. You start to see like, oh, he is doing it in here too. Like just a, maybe a little bit more subtle, a little bit more in the background. Um, but again, like he he probably just doesn't want to repeat himself all that much. Like he'd already done that movie. So it's still important. So he'll include it, but it's not the prime motivation of this one. Yeah, the one thing I was trying to figure out and didn't really come up when I was looking up it afterwards and like doing my little bit of research is how long are they kind of there for? Because when they first pull up to the tunnel that they go through, they're in a car on a paved road yeah, and it's totally clear and things like that. But then when they come back to the car at the very end, 
the car is dusty um, and it's totally overgrown. Yeah. So then I'm kind of like, is this, have they just been there for a long time? Is it part of like Yababa's spell or workings to kind of get people to come into this place? Like I, I think I, so. I think you're on to something there. I've always sort of read it as um, like, we kind of see in the spirit world, like we see Chihiro go to sleep and we see her wake up. So that's obviously one day. And things like that. I, I think that it's only a couple days in the spirit world. But the pathway leading up to the entrance, um, I think, is Yababa or something out there being like, it's inviting to come in. And then once you do escape, it's not as inviting to sort of not give you that impression to kind of come impression back. to come back. Like, yeah, this is, you know, this is very much not a thing that you should be exploring. So back up and get back onto the main road and go about your life. Whereas that first time is very much like, Oh, like let's go check out. Where does this go? Let's go see yeah. what's going on because they want you to come in. Right. So I think, yeah, I think you're onto something there where it's, it's a little bit of both. Like, yeah. Cause like, now thinking about it as well, when they pull up the first time they come across little shrines, yeah. like those little houses or whatever. So now I'm kind of sitting here wondering, is that people, other family members maybe leaving something for family that got lost down this tunnel could be so but yeah yeah, the the depiction of the spirits is really interesting because they kind of come in all shapes and sizes and all forms and things like that um but the character of no face is like very distinct (laughs) yes yes a a huge smile has appeared on kiro's face everybody love no face i so I, i will say for anyone who has not seen my arms i don't know how else to say that uh i do have a totoro tattoo and on many occasions i've been very close to adding a no face really yeah i love no face i think he's such a funny character because he is so lost and he's a bit pathetic but he's also like extremely dangerous yeah and so (laughs) like there is this dynamic about him where you're sort of like he seems so gentle uh, and whatnot and and all he wants to do i think is be helpful but once he gets into the bathhouse he starts being corrupted by the bathhouse and everything that's going on and then his helpfulness turns to greed and so then as for as helpful as he wanted to be he is now that greedy and he just eats everything <laughs> just <laughs> balloons into this monstrous being and I, I I absolutely, I love the design of No Face. I love that he has a mask with a mouth on it, but his mouth is actually like way oh, further yeah. back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love, I love everything about him. I love it. And then I love that his ultimate redemption is he goes to the nice witch's house and just becomes her weaver. Yeah. And he's just going to live with her forever. And they're going to weave things together. And it's like, that's so, that's so She just lovely. like adopts them. That's so lovely. So yeah, like all he's looking for is, is a nice home. So thinking of the nice witch's house, a uh, point that was brought up when we were all watching it together was just the like random details that he includes. So the fact that they are greeted by a one-legged hopping lamp. Yep. Yeah. Like, it's just wild. Because like, why else would you want one except to have one included? Like... Miyazaki's creativity is off the charts. Like it, it would have been so easy to just be like, yeah, there's a lamp on the pathway to the house. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, okay, we'll have a lamp, but it's going to have a foot on it and it's going to hop and it's going to like 
be the concierge yeah. for this house. He's going to usher them in. It's like his his creativity is just off the charts. And like when they get to the house, it hops up over the like archway or whatever. And just like wraps its leg around there. And then it's just like hanging lamp. Yeah. And I think it's when they walk, so a- when they fly away or they walk away, I think like the foot like waves to yeah. them or something. Yeah. <laughs> like- it's so lovely. It's so, he's so wonderful. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that all goes to like his world building. And, and I've spoken to people before, uh, anyone who's been listening since the very, very beginning. One of the first guests I had on was my friend Mark and me and Mark love Miyazaki's work and we've had many conversations about his his movies and one of the things we always come back to is like how creative and how vivid his worlds are and like the little details that he's throwing in there just to sort of be like you know you think this is what this is I'll show you I'll show you what you think this is and it's just oh yeah it's so lovely it's so like because ultimately this is a little bit like um like a, like an Alice in Wonderland type thing um but he's just going to twist it up a little bit and give you something totally original yeah so like some of the other small little things now that i'm thinking of when the boiler room man is doing all of that the things that are fueling the boiler are bits of soot yeah soot balls that at first i thought were spiders i thought he was a spider man controlling spiders and i was like oh cool and then uh, i think a line is said about them being soot. And I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And like, they're the cutest little things and they're so helpful. And (laughs) so there's that one. And there's uh, a big baby, quite literally a large baby um, that gets turned into a little mouse at one point and then gets flown around the place by a fly, fly, I think. And the two, the fly and this little mouse baby just kind of become like, best friends <laughs> i there's like, so many things going going to the boiler one of the things i actually picked up on this time was that the boiler looks like a pig and they're throwing things they're throwing the coal into its mouth and so like again uh, the whole consumption thing the whole idea of like gluttony yeah is that's what's fueling this bathhouse is you know just constantly feeding this pig furnace and it's like oh my god like he is on a next level uh, I did. I did want to ask you because I think we will get to one or more of these movies eventually. But obviously, this decade with Pixar was quite big and quite important for them as a as a company and whatnot. And Miyazaki and Ghibli's animation style is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yes. And so I want to know, like, how do you think the two stack up? You know, now that you've seen one of his movies, how do you think it compares uh, visually to theirs? Like, do you have a preference one way or the other? What 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 are you sort of thinking about sort of Ghibli versus Pixar? Um, part of me says it's hard to compare them. Yes, they are both animations, but they're different styles, like we've just said. So Miyazaki, his people look realistic like they look like somebody that you could pass on the street whereas pixar has always been knocked for not looking super realistic the pixar and the disney characters always have i'm thinking of all their female characters right now always have super big eyes and little waists and like i think people have tried to make 
them in real life, like with the proportions that they see online. And like the person just looks weird. Uh, monstrous. <laughs> really, yeah. Um, so I enjoyed the realisticness of the Miyazaki film. I still love my Disney and I still love all of that, but it was pleasing to the eye, I guess is the most correct statement I can use for Miyazaki right now. So. And like, this is, there are humans in this. There's obviously like spiritual animals that could, I guess could be any shape and you just accept them. I will be interested to see if you continue to watch his movies like there are some weird looking creatures in some of his other movies. Not that there aren't in, in spirited away, but I'm thinking about like the cat bus and stuff into tra- Yeah. You don't know what that is, but you'll, you'll figure that out soon enough. We'll, it's like, we'll this, get there. <laughs> this is so weird, but also like kind of great. Um, but yeah, so I, I have a clear preference. I prefer Ghibli. Well, yeah, I, you don't have a Disney character tattooed on your exactly. arm. So yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I don't even know really, because like you're saying, I think I agree with that. It, you can't really compare. And I don't think that they would ever compare themselves against each other. Um, he does what he does and they do what they do. I would say the biggest thing between them, though, is I wouldn't say Miyazaki is a kid's, like he's not directing this towards kids. Oh, I think he absolutely is. Oh, see, I would argue Miyazaki is more for teens adults whereas like disney is for kids as much as adults love disney yeah um i would say disney is geared towards kids and i wouldn't like i wouldn't show me i wouldn't show this to a kid because i don't think they would get it i feel like miyazaki has more of these underlying themes whereas disney is out and out like you want to be a good friend. The whole thing is about being a good friend. Sure, sure, so. sure. I wouldn't I wouldn't show Spirited Away to a kid. Um, I'd show Spirited Away to a 10-year-old. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie is about a 10-year-old. I would show it to a 10-year-old. And, like, I think the thing about Miyazaki and his movies is that he's not afraid to put in darkness and, like, things that are scary into his movie. Um because I think he understands that he will eventually explain it at a level that a child could understand. Um, and so he's not afraid to put those in because he will sort of like release that tension either immediately or eventually or whenever some point in his movie. Um, but things like, um, oh yeah, things like Totoro or like Kiki's Delivery Service, absolutely I'd be showing those to kids. Absolutely. Okay. Like I, I think... The reason I like his movies so much is because I can keep going back and finding more. But I think at a base level, there are definitely movies for children. Now, it's interesting that you guys went to Princess Mononoke after this one. Because that is definitely a movie I would not show to children. Uh, That is very violent and very sort of mature. But again, like, I think, I think that's why I enjoy him as, as a filmmaker is that he's not just doing one thing that i then have to meet halfway he's sort of like no you know here's one for you and here's one maybe not for you and here's one for you and maybe not for you and so there are movies like ponyo which i watched it and i was sort of like oh i think i'm not the target demographic on this one uh i should probably rewatch it but uh when i first watched i was sort of like oh this is not i don't think this one's for me whereas some of the other movies i would watch them and be like oh yeah this is definitely meeting me at 
where I am in my life. Um, but I think that's why, like, I think that's why he's great is because he can do, he can make movies for anybody and they're all kind of great. Yeah. Well, I can see why it won like best animated movie though. Like without fail. Yeah. Cause we're, we are part of an Oscar pool in our family. I think we've talked about it on various other things. Um, so like my mind is starting to think Oscars and all of that. So like, I can see why it would win. I can see that. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. So it won the second best animated Oscar. I think Toy Story 2 won the year before. And since then, we've just had like domination by Disney and Pixar, which is like really disheartening because we started out so strong. Like obviously Pixar is very, very good. I'm not trying to take away from anything that they do, but it just does get a little bit boring every year when we're having the Oscar conversation to be like, well, who's going to win Best Animal? Well, it's going to be the Pixar movie. Yeah. Oh, there wasn't one this year? Well, then it'll be the Disney movie. Sort of like, oh, like there are so many other types of animation out there. There are so many other types of filmmakers making really interesting work in this medium. And like they just get bulldozed by the company with the most money. Yeah. And it's like, God damn it. Like it's so boring. But I think I like for me, it's it's a more than worthy winner. I, I think it is his best movie. Um, I think it's probably... It's probably the best thing that he's ever made. It's probably not my number one favorite. But yeah, it, it would be in the conversation. I could watch this again and again and not get bored. I think I need to watch it again. Um, to kind of, like I said, after doing my research, scenes started to make a bit more sense. So I think I need to watch it again now knowing a little bit more. The thing that I'm still struggling with is at the end of the movie, throughout the entire movie, sorry, Haku and Chikiro kind of both feel like they know each other. And they mention it a few times that like, I feel like I know you before. Like, how did I know you? And as an audience member, you're sitting there kind of being like, well, how do they know each other? Like, you are trying to guess and try and piece it together. And then you find out that she fell into the river that he was. And then they kind of fell in love at uh, the very end. Like, but the love is like a child's love. It's not okay. a, it's not a real love. Like he is a spirit and she is a human being. <laughs> I think the love is more of a, like a love that you'd feel for a friend or a family like member. Like a comfort love? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't okay. think it's like, I don't think it's like a deep love where she's going to be off pining for this river spirit. spirit dragon. Cause he yeah. is a dragon. Well, I think the dragon thing was a Yubaba thing. I don't know if, He's oh, okay. technically a dragon outside of this spiritual world. Um, but yeah, I that I understand. I, I see where you're coming from and I, I get it. I think that goes to what we were talking about earlier where he starts with the images and then finds a story to fit that later yeah. on. And so I think that's probably something where it's like if you had started with the script first, you would have smoothed that out a little bit. But then maybe you don't get the imagery that he comes up with. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy to have a little bit of bumpiness in the story where it's sort of like, you know, they, and like to be fair, it's in the early parts of the movie where they're like, you know, there's some sort of memory there between them, but because he can't remember who he is because Yubaba has stolen his name, they, you know, they don't know. And yeah. then it's, it's only as she starts to figure things out towards the end 
that she gets this memory. Which, speaking of Yubaba stealing names, she didn't technically really steal his, I think, because I think he is the Haku River. No, no, he's, he's something else before Haku. It's a, oh, long, it's a okay. longer word. Oh, okay. Yeah, and apparently that is that is similar to um, Sen. Now, neither of us speak Japanese. But from what I understand, um, like the shortened form of Chihiro is Sen, which uh, is her okay. name in the in The spirit, the spirit world. world? Okay. So, yeah, there's something, there's, something, there's a, a very, very close connection between those two names as well. So, like, what she does is she takes away your name and gives you something similar, I think, maybe so that you don't realize that you're losing it um until it's too late but yeah yeah i can understand the whole river thing being a little bit strange a little bit weird but again i i will accept some sort of bumpiness if 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 the level of animation and the level of visual storytelling is this good i'll happily take some bumpiness in terms of dialogue like so i'll I'll watch this movie on mute like i don't care (laughs) so thinking of the names though it's interesting to see or to realize. So she gets this new name, Sen, and very quickly she forgets her old name. She forgets yeah. it in one night. Yeah. Um, and Haku is able to come and gives her a red berry, I think is what my note is. And then she remembers who she is. And so the idea that like very quickly you could forget. Um, and something else I had seen online was all about the pigs um, because there's a whole kind of pig farm like there's thousands of pigs and at first she goes in and really concerned about her parents and then she kind of goes back again and isn't as concerned but is telling them something else and then she kind of doesn't go back again so very quickly she's also kind of forgetting that her parents are there and she needs to rescue them it's all part of yababa's spell like you know what i mean like eventually i i would imagine everyone in that bathhouse that works for her was in a similar position to cheer where like they just stumbled in unknowingly and very quickly found themselves trapped there any other questions any other things that you wanted to mull over about spirited away no i'm trying to i'm looking back at my my notes so far of our movies this was the most notes i took (laughs) well that's a good sign (laughs) because i was just like there like we keep saying there's so many little details there's so many things happening that I, I've gotten better. I don't have my computer or my phone out. I take notes by hand in a book and then kind of type them up on my computer later so that I can see where my connections were. And yeah, it's the most notes I have. So how, how far into Princess Mononoke did you guys get? Chris finished the movie. Uh, Briar, our six month old baby watched as much as a six month old baby would watch. I kind of came in right at the very end. Okay. So I was doing other things. Um, and he now has also watched Spirited Away twice. And I think he had some questions as well. He had some questions and he was trying to talk to you about it last night. I think I was shutting that down. I was (laughs) not giving away anything. (laughs) So he's, he's very excited for this episode to drop in a couple weeks. Well, I'm excited for you guys to keep watching Miyazaki stuff because I have been talking about this guy for 20 years and all of you guys... You know, I I understand that I've burned some bridges in terms of recommendations before, but all of you guys, I don't know, like you all watch animated movies so much, but you have not watched any of his. And it's like, you know, I have to start a whole podcast to get you to watch one movie. One movie. And now I know that they're also on Netflix, so they're more accessible, which is nice. 
which was like great because a few of his early ones were really hard to track down and um and so like i hadn't seen like nausicaa spirit of the wind and and castle in the sky and stuff like that and yeah those were day one as soon as they came out on netflix those were like day one i'm watching these right now so yeah he's he's so wonderful he's got a new movie coming out this year but does he yeah we couldn't I Wait, think we, I think we've tried to plan some episodes around new releases, but the and problem you couldn't, you couldn't wait to talk well, about this. One, I couldn't wait. I I think we also needed um, a a palate cleanser after Memento and Kill Bill, which is sort of like very much like you know preteen Kieran movies. Yes, we needed to find something a little bit different to talk about, but. His movie coming out this year, I think it's called How Do You Live or How Do You Live Now or something like that. And um, like we were saying earlier that we ha- we run this Oscar fantasy pool where we draft movies. I think his movie has been on the draft list for three years because for three years it's like, yeah, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And so I keep putting it on the list and then eventually you hear that it's been pushed, it's been pushed. And so apparently it's coming this year, but I would not hold my breath. But whenever it does come out, night one, I'm I'm there. Is it going to be your first pick in the Oscar pool if it comes out this year? Is it no, going to be next? <laughs> it can't be. It can't be because I need points. And unfortunately, like the animated movies only compete in animated categories. So I can't really in good conscience pick that, um, especially if it's coming up against like David Fincher's The Killer. Like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to pick David Fincher. But uh, yeah, it will be a like no questions asked night one. I'm midnight release midnight <laughs> release i will be there for my guy because to be fair like this could be it this could be his last movie coming out because it takes him so long to make them that like he's retired numerous times he retired before making spirited away well so and came back to make it yeah so i saw that in my trivia research as well that his 97 one that princess movie that we keep bringing up was going to be it yeah but then he got inspired by a friend's sullen 10 year old and that's what inspired this movie so like yeah oh yeah he's i think at least twice if not three times he's been like that's it that's my last movie and then he keeps coming back so like i wish him nothing but good health so that i can keep getting more yeah keep getting more miyazaki movies but any any last things that you want to bring up any last things you want to say no i was just about to ask you if there's any last ones i like i don't know i think my my praise is obviously like effusive like I, I i can't say enough good things about him and his movies and this movie in particular uh if you haven't seen any of the miyazaki movies like do yourself a favor just sit down watch any of them like they are all so lovely so um yeah i, I can't i can't praise them enough but I, I i do think i do think this is his best it probably won't be everyone's favorite but i do think it's his best I'm excited to see the Totoro uh, one. Totoro? Yeah, yeah. I think that's one that will be on my cards to watch. So. As as somebody with young, a young child, like I, it's not really geared towards the parents of the young child. It's more about the young children. But yeah, it's certainly like, I can't wait to show Briar <laughs> Totoro. Like, oh, it's going to be such a wonderful day. It'll be so <laughs> lovely. So... I'll get a dry run with, with Dakota and, and Elijah first. Yeah. I'll get to show them. Hopefully one day. So they were playing they were playing Miyazaki movies at Playhouse. Yes. And I really wanted to take them to the movie. 
but the, they're not quite they're not quite there and the the problem with miyazaki not the problem but the thing about his movies is that when they play at somewhere like the playhouse that's not for kids no. like that that screening is not sort of exclusively for kids it'll be people like me going to see these movies so you do kind of need to follow the rules of the movie theater whereas if it was a kid screening then like who cares like ask yeah. your questions make your noise whatever it's, it's not a big deal all the other kids are just there to have a good time as well and like that was that's the real problem with with those screenings was i was like i don't think that they're there yet i don't think that they could sit down for two hours and not talk even though like you know what i mean like Couple more years. Couple yeah, more couple years. Couple more years. And couple you'll more get years. Them. But uh, we can we can wrap up Spirited Away there. I think. Um, I, I guess I should add, like Spirited Away so far three movies in. Like, where what sort of your your quick rankings of the three movies? Oh boy. Um, I probably Memento's probably first. Okay. Um, that was the one you enjoyed the most. That's the one I enjoyed the most. Then probably Spirited Away, and then probably Kill Bill. Probably Kill Bill's probably at the bottom. Just that's not my style of that's movie. That's not your thing. It's just. I was so glad that I got you to watch it. <laughs> it's just it's not my thing. I to tease next week's episode. I'm very excited for next week's. This one. is your thing. Next week's episode is your thing. <laughs> is my thing. I'll be leading this, and Kieran gets to watch a movie franchise that you. I think outright said was never going to be on your podcast oh so. yeah i think for new favorite movie there was no way i was ever doing one of these movies uh for this one it's kind of unavoidable we need to talk about them i don't want to give it away too soon here but like this is the biggest movie franchise ever yeah and this is what all kicked it off so we will be back next week i will not be in the hosting chair <laughs> I will be sullen in the corner. Uh, Reluctantly answering questions. I may, not, I may refuse. I may flat out <laughs> refuse. It may just be radio silence from my end. But yeah, we will be back next week talking about another movie from the 2000s. So we will see everybody then. See you then. See you then.